Hi, I'm Bushra Tafata, and this is In Praise of the Margin podcast, a space where I talk to researchers, scholars, and practitioners on the ideas that mobilize their work. This podcast is spatial, people-centered, and advocates for the normative and the subjective in practice. It celebrates difference and aims to look at practices inside and outside of institutional walls. My academic track in Morocco and Germany encouraged me to start this project, and most importantly, reading and indulging in a dynamic everyday life anthropology through personal experience and observing the practices and places that surround me and others, from spaces of inclusion to spaces of exclusion. My first guest, Mariko Sugita, is among the people who inspired me to create this podcast. She's an editor, journalist, and researcher on architecture and urbanism. After completing her master's in urban studies, which took place in different capitals in Europe, she wanted to find an intersection between journalism, architecture, and urban design, between Tokyo, Kyoto, and Amsterdam, and other past professional experiences as an urban project director, this led her to a path of independence, in which she developed inspiring urban-related projects, including a residency and an urban boutique of ideas and tools, where we connected, called For Cities, which she co-founded with Yukako Ishikawa. So first, I want to ask you, what inspired you to create this boutique of tools and ideas? So, it's a long story, I guess, that I used to study urban design, um, urban studies, urban sociology kind of things in Europe. And in Europe, because you live there, um, it's really well-connected. It's it's compact and people go to different countries on everyday basis. And this is not something that could happen in Japan because it's island. But one of the things that fascinated me when I was studying there is how well-connected they are. Of course, because I was studying urban design or the architect and the urbanist and urban planners and all the interesting people are doing interesting things beyond the borders. And I like that feeling of working internationally. And I, I got also inspired by some platforms already in Europe. For instance, in Berlin, and there's a city toolbox where urban practitioners can register their ideas as tools instead of like showcasing, oh, this is what we have done, but they call it tools so that anyone can use it to make urban action in their own context. I also found a platform called Future Architecture, which is really famous, so I'm quite sure you know it already. You can submit ideas and they can basically create a page for you. Mm -hmm. And then I think there are a number of judges there. And once in a year, they select maybe 10 or 15 interesting ideas out of 100 submissions. And then they get access to interesting museums and company activities. Yeah, I always wanted to have something similar, like kind of international platform, accessible platform in Asian context as well. I grew up in Japan, but I've been traveling around and I've also been to Asia. I mean, Asia is really, it's really huge. And uh, when we go into what defines Asia, it's like we can discuss about it for hours. Southeast Asia and like East Asia, China. I've been to many places and I, I've met some interesting, incredible people who are doing incredible things. But maybe with the language barriers or cultural barriers, so we're not doing things together as much as Europeans do. And I thought it was a waste. Yeah, I just wanted to make friends like you. If I didn't play full cities, you didn't find me. That's absolutely true. And what I found interesting as well was your focus on Asia. Actually, this podcast's name, In Praise of the Margin, was inspired by Junichiro Tanizaki's book, In Praise of Shadows. The author expressed a sort of a critique of the Western civilization's intake on aesthetic, 
highlighting how Japan is different and the whole narration was filled with symbolism and particularly referring to how Japanese aesthetics rely on natural shadows, finding beauty in obscurity and darkness and embracing imperfections and to embrace natural light, modesty, intimacy and how to maintain and design an interior from a human practice approach, especially mindfulness, contrary to the Western culture that focuses more on the idea of perfection. It's a beautiful book and a literal odd to shadows. And his discussion on Japanese speciality and aesthetics radiates a sense of advocating for authenticity, how to remain authentic and to not be influenced by the West, for one to hold on to their authentic practices. And this kind of sparked my interest in scrutinizing this aspect of preserving authenticity in practice. So how do you think one can celebrate this authenticity, especially in the context of countries within the global south? Yeah, and that's a really challenging question because I think in most of Asian, like the global south countries, we study if you want to be architect or urban planners and any, any professions um, related to cities, you kind of study under Western paradigms, Western systems, all the concept theories and yeah, practices you learn even in universities. It's coming from Western part of the world. I did my master in Europe, so of course all the things I was learning were mainly from Western countries. But I've been talking to colleagues in Japan as well, and we share the same topics together. You know, it's surprising how well they also know about Western theories and authors and practitioners, and it started from there. So they. The education system is, itself is westernized. So it's really hard to talk about what kind of authenticity we can get here. I've started being political about being authentic all the time because the world is already globalized and we can always ask what authenticity is really about. I've also saw some interesting practices in Japan. They call themselves really authentic, like mm-hmm. using like a Japanese architecture and Japanese materials and it, like not everything looks really amusing to me. I like the idea of mixing ideas and traveling series and traveling practices but what I'm critical about is what is traveling now uh, what is splitting mm-hmm. is dominantly western ideas western practices you compiled urban stories through a journalistic lens on your platform mm-hmm. that you called traveling circus of urbanism yeah uh, other people have contributed as well to it so I want to ask you what drove you to combine journalism and urbanism in one lens Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, thank you so much for finding Traveling Circus of Urbanism. I think the first time I exploited a platform, as I was saying earlier, I just wanted to make interesting friends who are like-minded, who want to make action and who want to participate and collaborate. I've met a lot of interesting people like that. And mm-hmm. also having a platform like this is a good excuse, actually, to reach out to people like this podcast. Like, hey, I, I have this media, I have this podcast, do you want to talk to me? And no one say no. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah, it was really started really casually. And then I started being more aware of the power of storytelling and narratives. And I actually have a book right here. Mm-hmm. Um, I was writing an article yesterday about this, actually. This is Urbanism magazine from the Netherlands. And each volumes have something urbanism in, in a kind of interesting way, paid urbanism or interior urbanism. And this volume especially, it talks about narrative urbanism. Mm-hmm. So it's all about storytelling telling and power of narrative in the context of cities and 
city making and architecture. I think it's really powerful stories and storytelling is a really powerful tool to connect with people and making visible visible mm -hmm. and unmeasurable measurable in a way because when it comes to urban practices especially when it involves a lot of stakeholders and money we tend to rely on numbers this project can create this many jobs and it, it has this much of economic impact but we also have a lot of untold stories hard to document because it covers individual stories and it doesn't have to be huge like a kid or it could be about a cat as <laughs> well so, you know like stories are everywhere in the city i started being aware of that a few years ago actually and thanks to this this magazine too since then i've been more proud of my work traveling circus of urbanism i'm also looking for contributors if any of the listeners are interested <laughs> yes i also think that these kind of stories are not just stories to tell but also mm -hmm. stories that we can derive decision making from them they can be a source mm -hmm. of inspiration because you can tell a story about how children behave in a city and that can mm -hmm. lead you to thinking about approaches that you can implement which can mm -hmm. lead to the creation of uh, child-friendly cities or women-friendly cities throughout narrating experiences in daily lives of how people interact with the public space or how people interact in general in the city you can get insights from it i think it's important also because you're trying to highlight people's lives in the cities how do people live and so we can look at the city as this dynamic and organic body instead of looking at it as a place that we can measure uh, as a physical space. It is not just a physical space that we can measure. It's, it's dynamic. It consists of personal lives within the public and the private space. Yeah, <laughs> it's really important data. I mean, it's not quantitative, but mm -hmm. it's, it's really important data. Mm -hmm. And in my platform, it's the stories told by articles, but it could be like videos and photos. I also like telling stories through maps, for instance. That's mm -hmm. why on Traveling Circus of Urbanism, I have like half of the web page as, as a map, actually. Mm -hmm. And I also um, occasionally do workshop about subjective mapping with students and sometimes with kids in the neighborhood. What the workshop is about is um, telling them what maps can tell your stories and how the maps you see every day google maps or world map is really uniformed and it's also capitalized and everything <laughs> so yeah the participant can make their own maps like it's like a image of the city so that every resident in the city should have their own subjective map not yeah. just the whole wide map that we usually use on google yeah uh, I also love how this project transitioned from being just a platform of storytelling to an urbanist in residency. Oh, yeah. Bridge to Kyoto, literally a bridge in front of Kyoto, which I found yeah. so interesting. So this is bridge to Kyoto, as you can see. This is a radio, so you can't really see the image, which is the same. But we have like, like a traditional Japanese-style roof and walls and everything. It's really interesting. It's, it's a house I found in Kyoto. I moved to Kyoto three years ago, mm -hmm. hoping to find a old building to renovate by myself. So I spent years traveling around and collecting stories and putting all these stories on my platform, Traveling Circus of Urbanism. It's been a fun journey. 
and I'm still doing and it's really fun. At the same time, I also wanted to make a place by myself. In Japan, actually, it's, there are a lot of abandoned buildings. People might not know, but it's a very shrinking society. There are a lot of old people. People have this image of, oh, Japan is so packed with people. Mm -hmm. It's actually not so true. Maybe if you go to the center of Tokyo, maybe, but Japan as a whole, there are people moving out in small villages and there are a lot of abandoned houses. And sometimes the government are giving away free buildings, <laughs> which is oh. kind of weird. Yes. So yeah, I came back to Japan hoping to find one of those buildings. And yeah, I found here two years ago and it was a bad condition. We didn't have floors and we had some windows, but it was pretty bad condition. But mm -hmm. Me and my partner um, started camping here in this building and started renovating little by little by ourselves. Mm -hmm. And in Kyoto, there are a lot of, as I was saying earlier, there are a lot of makers and carpenters living here as well. Some of them know pretty well about traditional Japanese architecture. And this is something you're passionate about, learning more about indigenous technologies for buildings and city making. And so we've been renovating it with uh, natural materials. We don't want to use a chemical product, something that last only 10 years or so we've been using good Japanese food and dirt walls and natural dye really interesting and it's a small house but we have one extra room and I somehow had this idea of inviting a lot of again like-minded friends from all over the world especially the friends I made during my journey collecting stories I decided to call it urbanist in residency because urbanist in residency has been really popular in Japan as well and especially in Kyoto there are a lot of small art spaces doing that but no one is using urbanist in residence mm -hmm. in japan so why not last year we opened this place january 2020 mm -hmm. which obviously was a bad timing because the pandemic started but we have already actually hosted some interesting practitioners here and they are a lot of upcoming ones so i'm excited about it I had a look at the list of the past residents that you had and the mm -hmm. upcoming ones. I saw a chef and other people who come from a diverse background. So you don't really target one specific group within urban practitioners, but it, you welcome everyone who contributes to city life. <laughs> yeah, so I usually use this word urbanist, but I don't mean it as only architect and urban planners or policymakers and so on. A baker can be urbanist as well, the neighborhood and... and I always like working in a kind of multidisciplinary field. A chef is living here right now, and I'm also interested in collaborating with musicians and so on. Actually, two weeks ago, I, I met this really interesting person who is a musician, but uh, makes music on the sound cities. He lives in Tokyo, and he goes to, for instance, Shibuya, notorious place in Tokyo, <laughs> and like Shinjuku, and like stations and public spaces, and hold some sounds from the cities and compose a music from there. For me, that's what urban is those. I, I want to invite as many people with different backgrounds as mm -hmm. possible. Just recently I finished reading a book which was published by this independent publishing house. The book is called Critic All with an exclamation point. <laughs> and there's an article on the book which was written by Iskandar Geta and the writer mentioned that quote everyone is a designer and designs everywhere unquote. And this is similar to what you're implementing in your residency. You want to incorporate diverse 
profiles into your residency instead of just bringing urbanists and architects exactly. in. Exactly. And when I read that, I instantly thought about uh, the description you had uh, for Richito Kyoto. <laughs> oh, Design yeah. does belong to everyone. I also like how you're incorporating other aspects into your residency, including sustainability and communal living. Do you see that this can be a model for other housing residencies or for housing in general in the future? Mm -hmm. Yes, that actually was the original idea. I was actually going to make Bleach to Taipei or Bleach to Amsterdam or something already this year if the pandemic didn't happen, but it it is um, (laughs) happening now. So I'm kind of stuck here, but Mm -hmm. the idea is to make a different version of it. Like Mm -hmm. like this building I'm living now is called Bleach to Kyoto, but it could be Bleach to Berlin, Mm -hmm. Bleach to New York could be very interesting. It could be a connecting hub where when urbanists travel to somewhere, you can start from there. You can visit, you can stay there. And there are always interesting people staying there or like having exhibitions or doing mm-hmm. workshops. And you can make plans and you can start exchanging ideas and exchanging tools as well. So that when they go back to their own countries, mm-hmm. you can apply that idea in your own context. Mm-hmm. If you want to start, you know, which to build in. There are many practices here in the city mm-hmm. but the model that you have is, is very distinct it's because it's a residency mm-hmm. but at the same time it combines hospitality communal living and i also wanted to ask how do you think kyoto as a city could mm-hmm. inspire your guests work kyoto i believe is a really beautiful and interesting city i just like i fell in love with it i always help the residents do the research conduct research and make connections and do the workshops exhibitions here mm-hmm. i have a lot of connections here in kyoto i can always help them out but in the specificity of, of the city it's like a very historical city and it's a very like a sustainable city in my opinion and it's it's really compact i think a lot of europeans feel comfortable living here in kyoto because it's not too big it's like as big as amsterdam let's say and it's really bikeables too there are a lot of makers living here including traditional ones i always thought kyoto is one of the most historical cities and it's one of the touristic place to go um i always thought kyoto is kind of snobby exclusive but it's really down to earth place it's really open you have access to amazing nature from here pretty sure um if you want to do something in japan you might want to come here instead of tokyo tokyo's fun too mm-hmm. but when it comes to making actions there's more room to do so there's more freedom to do so in kyoto i guess it's also dependent on space because tokyo is, is very compact it's very dense from what you said since there's an abundant amount of space in kyoto mm-hmm. and it's always in transition that's why mm-hmm. it makes it the proper place to implement and also experiment the kyoto seems very ideal as a city Hello, you should come <laughs> Oh my god, I would love to. (laughs) Maybe I can come to Bridge to Kyoto. (laughs) It'd be very interesting. Yes. And you just published a magazine called Being an Outsider in the City. Yes. Which was about your experiences in the Netherlands. Why this title? Mm -hmm. How were your experiences as an outsider in the city? The beauty of traveling alone and 
and being out of your hometown or home country mm -hmm. to me is to feel uncomfortable unfitting in a way i think it's important to feel uncomfortable once in a while you feel like you're a bit outsider in that context because then you have a flesh set of eyes you are unique you are new to the place i became more aware about the idea of like being outsider in japanese we call marebito which is a very interesting concept it was like last year i became more interested in the idea of being marebito and being outsider it means that it's you're unique and marebito um, there's a very famous japanese anthropologist talking about the idea of being outsider in ancient japan actually a lot of the culture was born to welcome outsiders from outside of your village um, and sometimes uh, it could be people but oftentimes like god coming from somewhere and you need to welcome them they create like ritual to welcome them and it's, it's really beautiful interaction for me to have meeting crossing the borders and outsiders and insiders meet each other and learn from there sometimes it could turn into something negative and that's what we are doing in all over the world we are fighting because you know, we have different cultures we have different ideas ideology cities to me where the strangers meet where outsiders and insiders and people meet I and i think innovations start from there that's why we decided to make this magazine called being an outsider mm -hmm. and this time in amsterdam but i'm hoping to make another one with the same title maybe next year in indonesia yes. and i want to keep doing it and i want to compile little zines together eventually could be fun I think that's a beautiful intake on being an outsider because I know that there's a negative kind of connotation always associated to being an outsider yeah. in the city. I think it's lovely to hear a different intake on how being an outsider is something actually unique and you can inspire and get inspired at the same time. Yeah. Mariko, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, it was a real pleasure talking to you. See you hopefully in Berlin, Kyoto. Oh, yeah. Thank you for listening. You can write to me at bultura at Stay tuned and see you next time.